Welcome to Cooking the Books, the food and hospitality podcast discussing all aspects of the industry. We interview chefs, butchers, brewers, winemakers, restaurateurs, restaurant managers, and we talk about how they got to this point, through the good times and the bad, and what they've got planned for the future. This is Cooking the Books. This week on the podcast, we had Ray Bonney, who is a mental health and well-being expert. Look, I thought it was very important to have someone in the mental health sector on the podcast in this series, you know, due to what everyone's gone through with COVID, either maybe lost family members or businesses gone under or, you know, being away from other humans for such massive periods of time. And just to say, if you, have a, if you are having any problems, that it's fine, you know, expected and you should go and see someone or or, or speak to friends and family this is a really interesting podcast if you're a business owner because it's about recruitment a lot about excuse me it's a lot about recruiting the right people and and what you can do to to keep people's mental health in the forefront of your mind whilst employing them and, and creating a safe working environment for people Ray had just lost her father the night before, but she said she really wanted to do the podcast because it was a, a moment in time and everyone's going through a lot of things. And yeah, I felt like it was the right thing to do also. So without further ado, he's a very raw and very necessary podcast. They're good conversations to have online because there are many people at the moment, like me, like my dad died last night. There are many of us that are experiencing people dying um, during COVID where they can't get to their um, their people. Yeah, and that's part of HOSPO as well, people that are not only, you know, they're also people that are missing their parents. And I, I was just talking to my um, my son before, George, you know, up in the Blue Mountains, and he goes, oh, do you want me to come home? I went, oh, yeah, I'd love you to come home, but I don't need you to come home for this event, you know. Not On the borders you know. are still closed, yeah, okay, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair um, Okay, well, listen. Yeah, let's he, get, he, Go on, sorry. Right. No, no, no. All right, let, no, let's go. On. Okay, well, listen, what, are, you, are you a mental health specialist or, what, or what, what, what's your title? How do you, what, how do you refer to yourself? Yeah, so if you call me an integrated wellbeing specialist and um, I guess that encapsulates everything. Yeah, okay. Okay. But you could ask me what I do and I can give you a list of what I do. <laughs> okay. Well, all right, then let's do that. What do you do? So predominantly, you know, my specialty is workplace. Oh, I apologize for that. That was my um, computer. But um, predominantly I um, influence workplace mental health. So I help organizations develop best practice around policy and strategy around mental health and that's everything from um, the high-end policy and strategy development right through to when people kill themselves in the workplace and I will turn up to um, deal with that and then um, of course there's the charity stuff White Owl for Men's Health um, is a charity that I work with and we um, donate all of our money to the Australian Prostate Cancer Research Centre, which is um, a great initiative for men because um, men typically don't have avenues for support for their um, health and well-being. I'm a private practice person too, so I work with people to help them, um, I guess, make sense of themselves. I don't give um, advice. I don't tell people what to do. Um, I'm just more about listening. So that's the thing. Men's health... um, in the men's um, shed perspective, I do a lot of work there as well. So, um, yeah, I love. I just love being involved in, in men's health, pretty much. I um, guess I've, and, I guess in, I've in the industry. Sorry, for cutting you off. I'm terrible for that. So bear with me. But the um, there's three questions I've got on that, and one is 
what do you do for your mental health? Because if you're dealing with so many people, like, you know, people committing suicide or whatever it might be, that must have an effect on your mental health. How do you keep yourself, I don't know, healthy, I guess? It's a really good question, um, Robbie, because there are many um, mental health practitioners out there who perhaps haven't had really in-depth training. And I was very lucky to um, get training with um, La Trobe University and also Lifeline at the same time. So that was a good, you know, three or four years of intensive training to help me take care of myself predominantly in that space, in the caring space. Um, so it's a really good question in that um, how I take care of myself. I got the education that enabled me to um, create boundaries uh, to make sense of what's going on for people. Okay, I get it. I get it. So, what what is what is mental health? Well, mental health is a, a state of being, isn't it? If you think about physical health, we have a very positive attitude to that. So, physical health is about working out. It's about you know what you put into your body, and it's a, a very rejoiceful space. Whereas when we talk about mental health, the automatic um, reaction to that is it's something disastrous and it's something terrible and it's something negative about our um, well-being. But our mental health is, you know, on a scale or on a trajectory is your poor mental health is like your physical health. If you're unfit or unwell or, you know, you're not functioning as opposed to the other end of the scale where, you know, your mental health is really positive and it's buoyant. Um, so we often, um, I think, have an idea that mental health is just a poor, it, it, it's just a negative trend. So we've got to get away from that. And how do you, and you know, you meant some say, you know, they've got mental health problems or whatever, whatever else they say. Is it, so how do you get it? Like, can you catch it? Or, you know, is it, is it like a re, something that happened to you in your past? Or, or what, what are some of the things that, how you can get mental health problems? I think, you know, we can certainly, there's a, um, a generational thing where we can, you know, um, there's a preconditioned space where we might be preconditioned to a mental health problem. You know, on the other end of the scale, we can, um, you know, if, if you imagine stress, for example, stress, you know, people are always accustomed to stress. So you stretch a, a band and you pull it out and you go, okay, I'm at my limit at the moment. That's a driver for success. Yeah. Like any any accountant that you know at month end will always be stressed and their bands will be stressed to the absolute maximum. I look at my daughter at the moment. She works in law. She works with me in COVID. At month end, she's doing billing for her partners. She's yeah. completely stressed. But is that – anxiety no it's not it's stress because stress is a driver for our actions in life but when it crosses over to something more sinister that's when we have to really watch out and, and when we're talking about the hospitality industry we're just working out how we're going to re-enter so we might go oh my god it's so awesome that your hospitality industry is coming back great 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 but the stress that's coming on with that is how are people going to survive with limited patronage, um, you know, having to provide excellence for people that are now going to be, very, you know, highly critical of the food, you know. How do you guys connect with that? It's funny you should say that. I was just, I was just on the phone to a, a high-profile chef in, in Melbourne this week. Oh, it was, it was the day that the, the restrictions were lifted, so whatever, Tuesday when the announcements were. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and he said – he said, you know, once these announcements come over, he, he had this mad, like, anxiety feeling like, I've got to go back to work. I'm going to have to start working nights. I'm going to, you know, it's yeah. over. You know what I mean? And he said, he, obviously, he can deal with it. And it, it, he said it just come, it rushed yeah. over his body, like, okay, now I've got to go back to the old me, almost. Do you know, do you know what I mean? That's, and I, I thought that was oh, very interesting. Absolutely, because... You know, industry employees um, in your space have three times the level of sleep disorders than the general population um, that cause that serious flow-on effects of relationships with family and friends. 
and not to mention the impact of being able to maintain good mental health and symptoms of anxiety um, in your industry are generally 10 times higher than the general population and depression symptoms five times higher. So some of the risk factors that are specific to your industry um, that contribute to this can like, you know, popularity shifts, especially um, professional disappointment, financial pressure, pressure to be creative and original all the time, media coverage, like George Columbaris, for example, um, and poor mental health to begin with. Loneliness, isolation, relationship breakdown are all precursors in your industry. Definitely. And like exactly that. You said sim the symptoms. What kind of symptoms could you could you spot if you if you had an employee or a, or a work colleague that that might be suffering with something? How could you you know what would you what, what kind of symptoms would you see from that? I think typically in um in hospitality because there's high pressure environments in kitchens where you know you've got a very short period of time to complete excellence that then gets translated to clients that can be very critical. The pressure in the kitchen, for example, is very high. So really looking out for each other um, and not judging people on their behavioural issues. And maybe I think um, in hospitality, carving out time at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day to rejoice and work out that we are going to be under pressure or we have been under pressure and to celebrate the um the, wins. the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, de yeah, like and, almost like a debrief also, every night almost, like a little bit of a like, you know, that was hard, guys, but well done. Yes. You know, closing the day off instead of... But also not being afraid to pick out the pieces that we could have done better as yeah, a yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's really that's that's a that's a great a great point. Like, because you you don't realize as a boss, you know, you might have a shit service or whatever it might be, and you're you're yeah. you know, you're fucked off as well. And then you know there might be that young lad that made that mistake or whatever, and he might be having a shit time of it, and and then he goes home without being spoken to. He might then dwell on that all night, shit night sleep, and then all of a sudden you don't know what effect that's having on his mental health. I guess. Oh, exactly. And Robbie, you know that, you know, my son is also a chef and he started his career at the press club with George Columbaris and he eventuated to um, Oak Ridge um, out in the Yarra, the Yarra Valley here in um, Victoria. And those kitchens I observed are tiny and you guys are spending, you know, up to, you know, 20 hours sometimes every two days in those kitchens creating and being under such intense pressure. So how does that crack a human being? Yeah. So this is not about hospitality. This is about, you know, cracking a, a, a diamond, really. Uh, it's, uh, it's, in, it's just what you said earlier as well about, you know, creativity and doing a lot of other things. Nowadays, there's so much more involved as well. You know, you've got the accounting, mm. you've got the rostering, wage costs, labour costs. You know, hygiene, HACCP, running the kitchen, being creative, order, purchasing, sell it. You know, it's so like, it, you know, it's it's a real it's a real mixture of things. If you do, so if you do feel like, but but can I just can I just inter, interject there? I think that in terms of small business, and um, I think hospitality, you know, um, occupies a lot of small business here in Australia especially, Definitely. that those things are imperative that people walking into a business, and, and again using George, my son, as uh, an example, his um, boss at the moment um, saying you need to be really exposed to the, to the books at the same time as being creative because it's a small business that you're operating. It's not just being creative. It's not about creating great food. You ha actually have to have a business model, and I think that's a lot of what we've seen during COVID, um, Robbie. Is that small businesses have not prospered because they've been so focused on the output for the client that they've not had a, a commercial model behind them. And I think, you know, if you look um, to a website, it's called a Head for Business, which is A H E A D for Business. Um, there's some 
amazing um, resources there for small business operators to um, contradict some of those um, like polarizing things that um, operators aren't addressing, which are you've got to operate a business before you actually have an idea. Absolutely, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with agree with you more. So, what was that? What was that website again? One more time. Ahead for business. Ahead H E A. Yeah, ahead, and it's a government initiative, but it's um being put together by an organisation um that I work with very closely, um Every Mind, and they are very focused on mental health um research and um. I guess yeah, as well as as, cool. as as a business owner, you know, you're you're seeing them numbers. You've got your team that you know, and if you're not making money or it's not the business behind the scenes isn't running how you you were hoping or expecting, you haven't done your numbers right, whatever it might be, that's putting a lot of stress onto you, which then probably reflects onto the staff because you you're barking or not, you know, you're not you're not creating the environment that you want to create, which you're getting frustrated with, which then passes down the line. And again, it's like one big, one big bloody fest pit of, of aggression or frustration or whatever. You know, so if you haven't got yeah. the numbers right and you haven't got the business running right, it's hard then to create a good culture or a, a, a good training environment or just a good environment full stop. If the business isn't mm. running running right anyway, that's almost like the foundation, right? Yeah, but it's you know, Robbie, it's really worrying that many of your industry workers see it as their responsibility to cope alone and find mental health support through personal relationships or outside the industry, and it just further highlights the need for industry support and proper training programs that are specific to the industry. And that's particularly to the mental health and well-being challenges that, you know, you have. So, and two questions on that, right? So one being, if you feel yourself as, you know, as a person that you, 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 you're not feeling 100%, you know, if you feel like there might be something wrong, what should you do? And secondly, if you have, if you own a business and you want to implement these kind of things, how would you go about doing them? So that's, I guess, a two-parter. Well, have you got the next hour? Stigma <laughs> is biggest killer of everybody. I'm not hesitant to say this, um, but I have had two suicides this week. Oh, and the suicide notes that are left, the messages are, if only you believed me, if only you had listened to me. They're the two messages that are left. So when people are giving you messages, I, I tell you, it's not your job to activate anything in particular, but standing and listening. Um, you know, passion is something that really ignites people, especially in the hospitality industry. And how you direct your passion can't be criticised because you don't know what's on the other end. You look at the iceberg. At the tip of the iceberg, you see what you're seeing. So you see somebody acting out in a kitchen, for example, or, you know, in hospitality, they're not behaving well. Well, you've got no effing idea what's going on beneath that. And that's the time we can ask the question very simply, you know, what is going on? Or, you know, what does it feel like being you today? That's my trademark question. What does it feel like being you today? It requires an absolute answer. It can't be anything more than oh, hot, cold, pink, or blue, because that invites a response. Whereas yeah. if you say, "Hey, going today?" Okay, oh yeah, good, yeah, good, because that's what we all say. Because we don't actually want to burden people with our problems because we know that it's going to end up nowhere. People really don't care. They'll care in a crisis, but they won't care beyond that. I so think the business owners need to, though. That's the thing. I think business owners need to, especially going into 2021 after this, because you don't know what's happened to people. You know, you never know what's happened to people. But during this, I think yeah, it's, but Robbie, it's really, where, but really where challenging. Do they, where, but, where, but, where do they, but where do they find the time in service, which is ridiculous? Yeah, maybe service isn't the answer. Either. Maybe service isn't the answer, you know. You, you know, you're always, you know, that isn't the answer. Maybe it is, you know, walking around and just putting a hand on people and saying, 
know, and listening to people. How's it going? Maybe paying a bit more attention to the family. How's your sister's? You know, she had an operation last week. How's she going? You know, how's the cat? You took the cat to the vet last week. How's it? You know, anything like that just to create some relationship Absolutely. and some bonds. Do you know what I mean? Like that's like you know, you should be knowing what who your staff are and who the parents are and what the parents do for a living. Like just ask your, the staff, oh, what did your dad do for a living? What did your mum do? You know what I mean? Where did you go to school? Oh. How, have you got any brothers or sisters? Just show some fucking interest. That's all. You know, it's not difficult. It's not the words. Many years ago when I got connected with the men's shed here in Australia, I, I, I presented at a conference and there was about 200 men in the room and I was speaking and then the next man that came up was a very old man from England, um, from the north of England. And oh, it must have been a great guy. Recited. It must have been absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he had one of those pork pie hats on and um, – Anyway, flat I'm still cap, very yeah. good friends to the, to, the, to this day. Sorry, I used to get my granddad a flat cap every year for Christmas. I think you're referring to a flat cap, right? <laughs> like, and then I used, that's, I used to get him every, I got my mum a, a, a pot of pot puree and my granddad a fucking flat cap. That was my Christmas present every year for about 10 oh, years. Oh, God, the anyway. pot puree. <laughs> exactly. She must have just put it straight in the bin and said, thank you very much. <laughs> Smelt it a bit, but it probably would have done it. Anyway, so I get off the stage, he gets on, starts reciting this poem that his mum had um, taught him when he was a kid. And there's 200 men in the audience, and in the middle of this, he starts crying. He gets really moved. And I, I was just sitting there watching, like frozen in time, as one man in the audience got up and he walked all the way to the back of um, reciting this poem and he literally just had his back, didn't touch him, he didn't say anything, and he was able to continue his poem to the end. And that yeah, was thanks. my absolute yeah, just message that men don't need to have words they don't need to have anything it's the actions and it's the sentiment of the feeling of being cared for that men resonate with so let's get away from all this bullshit because the suicide rate of men have just risen through the abs to nine suicides every day are men jesus is that obviously that that's is, in australia that is, australia no and that yes, in Australia, and that has nothing to do with COVID because that happened before COVID. So don't blame COVID. Yeah, man, that's too. Many. And we are still not addressing that the suicide rates of men, suicide with men, is not necessarily to do with a mental health condition. It's to do with a situational crisis. So that's finance, relationship breakdown, and loss of children, the trifecta. So yeah. get get with it, Australia. Like just stop it. Yeah, give some it's... support, man. And obviously, in the in the hospitality industry, I I, I totally agree, agree. Yeah, exactly. Give support. Exactly. I, I totally I couldn't agree more. But the the in the hospitality industry, there's obviously a lot of alcohol and and drugs and yes. in, in all industries. Obviously, there is in all industries. I'm partaking in plenty myself. Don't get me wrong. So, but it, you know, it does have a what what goes up must come down. Let's just put it that way. So you know, does that have a bad? That can that have a bad effect? And people just seem to 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 dull the oh. dull the pain or whatever it might be. Oh, definitely. I think you know, in the um, entertainment industry, definitely um, drug and alcohol um, abuse, or I wouldn't call it abuse, but it's substance um, misuse, is a, a precursor to anxiety, depression, I guess, based on research, clearly defines that, um, yeah, the, the, there's an issue there. There's definitely an issue there, especially the alcohol. I've seen a fair few people go down that route, and it, it, it's, it's horrendous. It really it really is. And, and you know, what, what do what you do as a what, business what, owner? Go on. Sorry, go on. Ask me. Ask me, please. I, I was going. I was going to ask you a question, but th then you asked me a question. Yeah, go on. I'll ask. I'll answer um, yours. You know, I'll... I've got. I've got. I've got. I've got two clients at the moment who are um, high functioning alcohol um, and drug misusers. Yeah, what I would say. So I'd like to take the label off addicts, um, abusers, to say 
misusers because that's how it ends up. So um, my current client is a very um, successful client, um, business operator, multi-million dollar business operator who slips under the radar. And it took many, many months for me to build the trust for him to enter my, um, my care. So what is that saying about men, that there are no actual support pathways or anything intrinsic to men for help? So we have this fucking idea. Sorry, can we swear on this? Yeah, of course. You can do what you want. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, that men don't speak, men don't seek help, men don't talk about their feelings. It's fucking bullshit. They do. They do. We just have no avenues of support that are intrinsic to men and men operate so hugely in the the hospitality industry especially at the high end so what can we do about that um so what can we let's do? just what, recognize what can, you, what can you do as a business oh, owner? well fucking right like men actually matter um and create better um methods or better ways of supporting mental health in your workplace through what you're saying um robbie having conversations at the start of the day at the end of the day working out how people are feeling and dealing with the individual and that would be a good start right that would be a good start to implement moving forward and it's a really simple thing to implement you know really all you've got to do is have a conversation after every service and be there and ask and, and, and show a bit of care and a bit of support. You know, it's a pretty simple thing to do to, as a first step, right? That costs nothing and that's it. And, and you know, I think that's an, an easy way to do it. And what you, you said earlier about... Sorry, but I, I, just, I just also want to interject there on what you're saying is organisations like yourself, your obligation is to create an environment that supports mental health right and well-being and yep. safety so so it slips and spills it's your psychological stuff it's your blah blah but also anyone coming into your organization that you have some kind of um policy or strategy those people know when they're coming in what their obligation is so their obligation is to manage their own mental health and well-being in that environment that you've created by by doing by doing what like by uh, letting you know if they've got a problem or by eating healthy, no, exercising, no. and getting plenty of sleep. No, when they when you interview somebody to come into your organisation, yep. your due diligence is around: is that person a good fit for your organisation? Yeah. And are they going to be jazzed? Are they going to be inspired? Do they know the boundaries? of what your expectations are because quite often when we're employing people, we just go, ah, here's a great job, blah, 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 and a million people arrive and then you pick the prettiest person perhaps who's the most jazzed. But on that day when people are performing in an interview, that's when they're most highly effective. And then the common thing is when they actually hit the ground running, they're not the right person, but you're stuck with them. And then you end up with things like mental health problems. Right, I get it. I hear so what you're saying. So make, right. sure, make sure you're doing the right recruitment that fits your environment. Are they are they Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. Don't just fill gaps or he'll do for the time being whilst we find someone no. better effectively. It's like you're better, in, you're better having no, nobody. This person looks like he's not, you know, he's never worked at this level before. I don't, he's never worked in this environment where we're doing 200 covers for lunch, pre-service or pre-theater. Is he going to be able to cope in that environment? Is that the kind of thing you mean? Yes, exactly. So, you know, people will recruit on um, a CV, I guess. Yeah. Oh my God, this guy has, has worked in all of these organizations. That's amazing. Um, let's recruit him as opposed to, is this person a good fit? Yeah, that's really good. I think that's a great, a great tip. Absolutely. But I did mention there about, we, yeah. about food and sleep and all these things. Do these, do these, um, do these things matter? Do, do, does, 
Does it help if you're getting more sleep? Does it help if you're eating better? Does it help if you're exercising? Are these things proven? Oh, shit, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, sleep with, you know, things like um, deep sleep, like REM helps you create um, memories and things like that. REM helps you build the memories from the day before. Like it keeps you completely creative and also how, you know, sleep builds things like metabolism and um, anything. You wouldn't if you, didn't, if you didn't. If you didn't need it, you wouldn't do it. Do you know what I mean? I always think that. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. Like I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the worst sleeper. I'm the worst sleeper in the world. Like if I can get two hours of sleep a night, I'm just very happy. And as you can, like during this interview, I will disclose my dad died yesterday, so I'm a little bit all over the place. Well, but I'm happy. But I was more happy to do um, an interview um, raw. So if for anyone that's listening, that. Um, <laughs> That thinks I'm a little all over the place. Yeah, my dad just died. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously the condolences. We spoke about that earlier. You know, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for for doing for, for for doing this. I appreciate that so much. It just got, does it does that go to show your mental how mentally strong you are? Does that you know all that training to being able to keep doing this? That's it's an interesting question as well. Uh, well, the first thing I the, the first thing I did today was connect with all the people that I trust. Um, and love, and that doesn't necessarily involve my family. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and that's a, that's a message for everyone. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm like uh, where do I go from there? Like, okay. Um, so you know, when you, when people hear about when I heard about mental health, I, I think about mental health. I then all all make me think. Or if I go and see someone, they're just going to give me tablets. It's going to dull my creativity. It's going to, I'm going to not going to feel myself. Is that, is that true? Does that happen? And I, I genuinely don't know. I, you know, I just hear these kind of things. Or is there other ways around it? Talking about it, you know, counselling, these kind of things. Well, Robbie, I think, you know, I, as you know, I, was, um, I left home at 15 and um, I was expelled from school at the age of 15. So I left home with significant mental health issues back in the 80s. And um, I've always found a really good antidote is to sit in your pain. Actually sit in your pain and work it out because, you know, we have things like Panadol or we have, you know, all kinds of antidotes to get rid of pain. But sitting in it, I think, has been probably my saviour. When yeah. you say sitting in it, do you mean like what? Just like, just literally sitting down and and, and taking an hour, thirty minutes, and and just thinking about it, or what no, do you that, mean exactly? No, that could be weeks of pain, like when something happens. Like for example, my dad died last night. Now I have to sit in that pain and understanding of. At that moment, so would I get medicated? No. Um, what would I do? Probably speak to my friends, speak to my family. I don't know. But yeah, okay. the pain is significant, you know. But um, again, anyone that's listening, um, I kind of apologise for my being kind of kind of disparate because that's the moment in my life. So I would prefer to be doing this interview raw in my pain. Yeah, and not making not making a lot of sense because that's okay. It's definitely okay, one hundred percent. And you are making heaps of sense, so don't worry about that. <laughs> but I, um, if if um, well, I guess what I'm saying is, is it? Do you do they give you tablets? Like, is that that is an option? And then counselling and talking about it is definitely another option. Is that right? Am I right in saying that? Well, do you know what? When I was speaking to my client last night who tried to kill himself this week um the immediate response of the um automatic responses was to put him on antidepressant and because he's a client of mine he's incredibly intelligent uh a really good guy who's had a lot of um i guess um experiences in his life that have has led him to this moment of breaking so I would not necessarily um, prescribe, and I can't prescribe 
from a counsellor, but I would not re recommend mood stabilising um, medication that disturbs a reasonably good mind. So if you imagine a car, you know, your car is driving, you know, automatically it's quite quite good and you get it serviced like every three months because it just needs a tune-up. But you don't want to go and just redo the whole engine because that would just be foreign and it wouldn't drive. Our minds, when we're stabilising our minds, sometimes we get into a situational crisis like today. I'm in one. I'm sitting in one right now and probably not making a whole heap of sense. However, I don't need medication because my, my dad died. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will sit in this crisis for probably, you know, a few days needing medication. Yeah. I heard about a thing about, about um, mourning and the importance of mourning. That we that we that we, that we lose sometimes. Um, I was like, I, mean, I was watching about saying it. It's a part of the mind. Like you need to go through that. That's something that you need to go through. Yeah, the, the grief, grief process. process is, yeah, is yeah, yeah, the grief yes. process. And I wonder if that is same. Yeah. Like there might be people with you know issues from school. Let's say, for instance, that might be an issue that they might have been. They might have been bullied at school, or you know, especially in the hospitality industry, there's a people who school wasn't for them. It's not the way that they learn. The mind doesn't work like that. So there's maybe some people that have had a hard time at school, maybe weren't good at sport to pull them through it and, and what whatnot. And there might be some deeper underlying problems that, that, that they need to that they need to go through and and speak to someone about and, and just get it off the chest. It might be a divorce from when they were a kid or whatever whatever else it might be. It might be worth going to see someone and just getting rid of that baggage. Well, it's easier um, said than done, Robbie. In terms of people either identifying that they have an issue about their behavioural patterns um, and sometimes it takes it like in my world of counselling it takes somebody like me to identify those patterns that lead to the behaviour. Um, so when you're raised in an environment you can be very preconditioned to that's all you know. But when it starts affecting your day-to-day -day relationships, that's when you see a pattern of your own behaviour. Like, well, I guess as a business owner, could you approach one of your members and staff and say, look, I'm, I can see some things that you maybe might be struggling with. It's worth to go and see someone. Is that, or is that crossing the boundary? You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be suggesting them kind of things. You're not, you're not educated or you're not a doctor in it or anything like that, so who are you to tell that person what they should and shouldn't be doing? Well, I think it kind of goes back to the due diligence of, onboarding people into your organization that hospitality tends to just go you look good you sound good let's employ you whereas i think if we applied better process and procedure to onboarding philosophically physically and emotionally that you would reduce the risk of having to take the time up to do that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. if you know what i mean so your job, like like hospitality is fast, it's furious, it's just very quick. Whereas you look at other things like manufacturing or, you know, other kinds of industry which are more slow. So you can kind of build an infrastructure and, you know, warrant that. Whereas hospitality, it's just fast. So you've got to, you've got to build better onboarding processes to get the right, the, the right people. You're better having no one than having destructive people in your um in in your um, and if you do if you if you do want to set like a, a mental health program and we spoke about in the past where like there's places like you know big oil companies and and all these places have 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 a, a, a yeah. procedure in place or a I don't know if that's the right word but they have things in place for mental health but a mm. lot of, not a restaurant I've ever worked in has ever had a you know a, a, or not that I've known about a mental health program or, or whatever else, what kind of things could you implement as a business to, to do that? I know we spoke about the talking together, but I mean something that's maybe on paper or someone that comes in or, or whatever else. Is there anything else you can do? I think it's really difficult in the hospital space because of the casualising gig economy yeah, okay. that you have. Everyone's transient. It's, it's very difficult to nail down some kind of um, – a philosophy or approach to mental health um, and that would take every small business and small business makes up 
probably 95% of Australian businesses here in Australia. They're governed by people like, you know, me. I, I'm a small business. I'm just me. So how do we actually govern that? Um, I know we've just got to send, set a trend. Like I don't know how old you are, Robbie, but, you know, I'm in my 50s and I remember all the um, change agents around not dropping oh, yeah, litter, yeah. I remember that. Um, course, life yeah, yeah. be in it. Um, you know, we got on it. Um, not smoking in public. We actually do adopt to change. So what? what so what are you suggesting if if that is the case? What, do, you, do you suggest the government does more, or or what are you saying? No, pe- leaders like you in the industry start leading change. Okay. And and you know, I'm, I'm hearing it from you know my George up at um in the Blue Mountains. They're starting to build changes that you can't yell at your chefs. You can't. You actually have to have a separate domain to deal with the issues in the kitchen as opposed to the issues in the kitchen on fire. Yeah, okay. Whereas in the past, it would just be lots of yelling, lots of screaming, lots of throwing. Now what they've adopted is a no um, contest policy where all of those things will be learned off-site. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah. We, we – all- yeah, it does make does sense. That make it sense? does make sense. We we also have something very similar like that at City Ladder. There's, we don't. There's no screaming or it's all talking to each other. And it's yeah, it's yeah, it's just trying to create an environment. But I guess you know, could a, I think this is what I think, and I could be completely wrong. I think a business owner like myself could put the the leadership team through some sort of training with you or with someone. You know, like you, one of your competitors. I'm, I'm just joking, but like someone like you, and then train, no. tra- yeah, exactly, just exactly. Just but me. train your train the higher <laughs> tier people to be able to recognize, spot or recognize thing. You know, people that might be going through something. Where it's listen, better ways to listen, better ways to approach things. You know, you know, if if they do recognize anything, just some sort of base level training, like a frigging health and safety like you would with a senior per, you know health and hygiene everyone does a health and hygiene certificate that senior people might do a HACCP training whatever it might be you know is that something that you could implement in your business like is, is a course is it you could put your senior management to do through go through well when you pose that um query Robbie I would go all the way back to onboarding to say who are the philosophical people that you're bringing to your business? Because just say me as an operator will come into your business and impose mental health training. There will be people that will negate it and there will be people that will embrace it. So why not bring people into your organisation that embrace a philosophy? So that's where my work would definitely start with a philosophy rather than a solution. So if, if, just say you were to bring me and I would go, let, let's talk about what the philosophy of, 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 you know, your larder is and it's all about food, it's all about creation. So we attract those kinds of people and then we vet them before they get in there and they just become sustainable people as opposed to desperado going, oh, we just need people on the floor, let's just employ anyone that's available. They become toxic in your environment. Yeah. But I guess then there's, there's always going to be a point there, isn't there, where there's going to be the people that don't fit in and, like, where do they fit in? They're, they're going to go somewhere, right, that maybe don't do that. Just, do you know what I mean? Like, if you don't employ them. But just don't, just don't engage but, them. Like, just don't engage but, them. But then where do they go? Where do they people. go? Do, do you know what I mean? That's not your responsibility, where they go. Yeah, okay. Because you're just worried about your what you're doing at your, in your environment. You can't invite, you can't. Don't try and drink the ocean, I guess. Exactly. So if you create an environment of onboarding to your larder that's kind and caring, anyone that goes through that process is going to have a good feeling. Whether or not they land in your establishment is a different thing. But at least they go away feeling cared for. Yeah. It's such a... That's, that's the key. So, that's the key. Uh, I guess a lot of this does boil down to onboarding right a lot of it does seem to come down to that it comes down to kindness and care actually kindness and care of any human being 
Just be fucking kind and just be caring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really? Bluntly and straight to the point. That's Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Be kind and caring. I think, I do honestly think in some aspects that the COVID has been, you know, it's been incredibly task, tasking, you know, very hard on people's mental health. I'll just keep it simple. Fucking know what we're trying to be smart for. The, um, the, the, but on the same hand, I think the caring and community and the conversations around mental health, the investment that the government say they're putting into mental health, in, in some aspects, it could, have, it could be two steps forward. Definitely. I think so too. Sometimes it yeah. takes something like this for people to really reflect and say, you know what, let's move forward, let's change, let's really start looking after each other. We've all been through this together. We don't know what people have been through. What, how it's happened to them in the past you you, do, you never knew what happened to that person but we know that everyone's been through something one way or another so moving forward we need to be all conscious of that the different levels just because you've dealt with it one way doesn't mean a, a, another person haven't they might have lost a parent a, an auntie an uncle a, whatever it might be through this you don't know what they're dealing with so i guess you know mm. moving forward we could all take that approach let's just start being a little bit more kind and caring for one another and i think i think people will do that I do. Really? I do. do you think they will? I do, but I always think the glass is half full. I think the glass. Why? But why? But why? Why, think, why do you I think, think people will be kinder? I and think, more look, as a percentage, I think it's going to be 97%. I probably don't think that. But I just think. I'm as, pushing think you a bit. Fine, on this, I think like. as a whole, <laughs> I think something like this, you know, I would have thought after the World War when the communities had to get together and there was rations and people were growing potatoes and Fred down the road was growing carrots and Julie over the road used to fucking make beanies for beanies for kids. And, you know, you were in this together. There was a mental health problem because everyone was scared and whatever. Now, but the community together, I, w I would have thought I wasn't there, even though the bags under my eyes maybe would d d disagree with that. But the, 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 uh, I think the community would have grown together. And I think that the same effect could possibly, look, it's only a theory. I've got no analytics or, or no evidence, but it's just a feeling that I've got that people are going are gonna to do the same moving forward of this. They know that the industry's been beaten and battered and bruised and there's been some casualties and whatnot. And I think people are going to stick together a little bit more with this. The industry's changed such a a huge amount in the last 10 years. It's it, It's been huge, the change with wages excuse me with wages with hours with not screaming with sharing even sharing recipes sharing knowledge sharing information that's really improved over over the last few years um over the last 10 years let's say and i think this is going to help is going to be another stepping stone to being more caring i think i, I do that's my reason why oh God, i could listen to you forever <laughs> robbie <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't <laughs> ever. And I, I'm so hoping that we're going to have an exterior relationship um, um, from this podcast. I think um, we will. Podcast, I, I think we will. Cause I'm, which... And I am genuinely serious. And I put it out there that yeah. I am genuinely serious to 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 help in this to move forward. So I can only work with inside my with inside my business, and it's definitely something that I'm going to look at. 2021. I'm going to start making the investment in that. I feel like that we've we've put a lot of investment in culture, and I, I, I feel strongly. I, I feel strongly that you could go into our establishment. You could ask any of the staff: Is this a, a calm, friendly, nurturing, uh, stress? Not stress free, because there's always a little bit of stress. But you know, is it is is it a good environment to work in? And I would be shattered if I, if I heard it, it wasn't. That is for sure. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that. That most, it's a most people awesome. can say that I, yeah. I'm confident with that. But on the same hand, I would like to push the boundaries even more and, and, and support more with people with mental health because I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I would like to offer a, a support. Well, can I, can, I give, can I give a little plug to Let's my son, George Wintle, who's now um, in collaboration with um, um, Gourmet Traveller, and they're putting together – because he has a um, – a, a, a mental health um, organisation called Eat the Issue that he's been um, travelling on for a couple of oh, probably about three years. Anyway, their latest initiative is they're going to put a, a, a beautiful coffee book thing together, a pot coffee table book thing, which is about um, chefs' experiences of people, like a comical thing, like, you know, oh, 
sorry, the ice is too cold. Or, oh, um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The service is too efficient said, or something like you know, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So he's looking for stories from chefs yeah. all over the world. So he's got Renee Rezepi and got people who are contributing to this book. But um, if any chefs have those kinds of stories, um, he'd be very happy awesome. to collect those. For and I'll, each put me down, I'll, I'll take 20 of them books. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll love to. I'll have to. I know. I, will, I, I literally will. I said put to me, him put that me you would have for, a lot. Put me down for 20. I'll, I'll take 20 of them for sure. And I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. There's nothing to be sorry about. If this There's is going off track, sorry about, about anything. Honestly, I think this has been fantastic. I hope this has brought real awareness to people. And you know, you're never gonna. You don't build warm in a day, right? Do you know what I mean? And let's be honest. Mental health hasn't been a big topic for you know, in the grand scheme of things. How long have we been talking about it? Ten years, 50, twenty years, thirty years? I don't know what it is. But you don't build room in a day, so let's just, if we can all just put a little bit of effort into it and slowly over the next year, next two years, next five years, ten years, and, you know, in the next 20 years, we might be getting somewhere, we might be taking a big step forward. Well, can I just say something For to sure. end up? And because my dad did die, um, my dad um, was probably quite an amazing man um, in his 20s, but he lost his life. Um, to become a quadriplegic after an accident. So he raised um, his family being a quadriplegic or an incomplete quadriplegic and spent most of his life in pain and suffering, but managed to do incredible things. I don't think he's such an incredible dad, but he um, he was able to do such intricate things like build the first world's um, wooden clock with every single thing um in that clock he carved Jeez. by hand um being disabled um he did amazing things and um i just want to recognize him on this day and and i don't apologize for my kind of tardy <laughs> and probably sloppy presentation Not at all. today and, uh, yeah but, and um, obviously again condolences and, and you know and, yeah uh, what do you say in these scenarios? What do I say? Do you know, just apart from, you know, my heart goes out to you, but, you know, I hope you're feeling all right. I'm feeling great because yeah. I got to talk to you and um, and if anyone ever wants to interview me on a less sloppy day, like, please, please <laughs> Well, listen, I'll leave it at that. You go and, you know, do what you're going to do, connect with some people, have some conversations and talk to your loved ones and um, and, and, and we'll catch up again real soon, right? Thank you very much for your time. I much appreciate it, especially on this Thanks, day. Thanks, Honestly, it means a lot. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, See Robbie. you later. Take care.